طيب بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم <تصفيق> إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد مجيب بدرزن سيش السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته so there's a fundamental principle in our faith that if you want to see the level of righteousness of an individual, you want to see the level of piety of an individual, you want to see the level of practice of an individual, one of the ways you assess that is by those whom he surrounds himself with, by those whom he surrounds himself with. And one of the sunnahs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always chose the best of people to surround his prophets with. He chose the best of people to surround his prophets with. So you look at uh, Musa alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose Harun for him. You look at Isa alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the disciples for him. You look at Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the sahaba for him, chose the sahaba for him. And this is very important to keep in mind that there was never a prophet except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala surrounded them with the best people of that time, except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala surrounded them with the best people of that time. This is a general rule. There are obvious exceptions, but that is the general rule. So tonight's halaqa is going to be about the virtues of the companions and the belief of Ahl-Sunnah in the companions. The belief of Ahl-Sunnah in the companions. So Muneeb, if you can honor us by reading, inshallah. <laughs> وقل إن خير الناس بعد محمد وزيراه قدر ثم عثمان أرجح ورابعهم خير البرية بعدهم علي حليف الخير بالخير منجح وإنهم للرفض لا ريب فيهم على نجب الفرد على نجب الفردوس بالنور تسبحوا سعيد وسعد وابن عوف وطلحة وعامر فهر والزبير الممدح وقل وقل خير قول في الصحابة كلهم ولا تطعانا تعيب وتجرح فقد نطق الوحي المبين بفضلهم وفي وفي الفتح آية للصحابة تمدح. Translation. And say indeed the best of the people after Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم were his two deputies of old and then Uthman according to the most correct position and the fourth of them was the best of creation after them Ali the companion of goodness. Through goodness, he was successful. Those are the people, those are the people, those who we have no doubt about, upon the great camels of Firdaus, shining brightly and roaming about. Sa'id and Sa'ad and Ibn Awf and Talha, and Amir of Fih and Zubayr, the praiseworthy. And speak with the best terms about the companions, all of them, and do not be one who speaks pointing out their faults and criticizing. Since the clear revelation has spoke of the excellence and in Surah Al-Fatih are verses about the companions praising them. Fantastic. Jazakallah khair. Okay, so starting off with the first verse. The Nadim, he goes on to say, and say that the best of people after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is actually coming from the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam where he says khairun nas qarni that the best of people are my generation the best of people are my generation so now when the author is talking about who are the best of people he's talking about the best of people from the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam 
So if you were to look at, in terms of all of humanity, then the highest rank from humanity is for the prophets and messengers. However, from the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the best of the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and then his companions, and then his companions. And it is in the order that he's mentioning them in. It is in the order that he's mentioning them in. That it is Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and then Ali radiallahu anhu, and he says, this is according to the correct opinion. We'll talk about the ikhtilaf on that issue. And then after that are the six other companions whom the Prophet ﷺ promised paradise to. And these were considered the ten best of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. Now, if you look at the term that he uses over here, wazirahu, like the two ministers, the two close companions of the Prophet ﷺ. This is actually based upon the hadith as well. This hadith is weak, but I want to share this hadith with you. Where it's narrated by At-Tirmidhi and by Al-Hakim that the Prophet ﷺ said, مَا مِن نَبِيًّا إِلَّا كَانَ لَهُ وَزِيرًا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْأَرْضِ وَوَزِيرًا مِنْ أَهْلِ السَّمَاءِ فَوَزِيرًا أَهْلِ السَّمَاءِ هُمَا جِبْرِيلُ وَمِكَالُ وَوَزِيرًا الْأَرْضِ أَبُو بَكَرْ وَأُمَرْ so the Prophet as attributed to him, he said there's not a prophet except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses for him two ministers or two representatives from the people of the earth and two ministers and two representatives from the people of the sky. Then my two ministers from the people of the sky are Jibreel and Mikal. And my two ministers from the people of the earth are Abu Bakr and Umar. And then my two ministers from the people of the earth are Abu Bakr and Umar. Now, this hadith has three versions to it and three chains of narration. All of them are weak. All of them are weak. So, it seems that even though the, the wording of the hadith is weak, that the meaning of it is still strong. That if you, you notice the narration of Ali radiallahu anhu in Sahih al-Bukhari, he says that the Prophet sallallahu used to regularly say that me, Abu Bakr and Umar exited. Me, Abu Bakr and Umar entered. Me, Abu Bakr and Umar did this. So the Prophet sallallahu clearly had chosen Abu Bakr and Umar as his two closest companions, as his two closest companions. And this shows us the virtues of these two companions in particular, that the Prophet sallallahu chose them to be his close and his intimate companions. As someone who was guided by revelation like the Prophet sallallahu was, he would not choose as a close and intimate companion, except that someone that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was pleased with. Except that they would be someone that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was pleased with. Now who can mention to me one of the virtues of Abu Bakr? Who can give me one of the virtues of Abu Bakr? Go ahead. After the prophets, he was the best man. Okay, but I need something more specific. Like give me a hadith about him, a story about him that shows like his great rank in Islam. Go ahead. Um, during the time of uh, when the Prophet was about to migrate, yes. Fantastic. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to migrate with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that story of migration is such a beautiful story. That you know the Prophet didn't even have to tell Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu to get ready. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was already ready to go. Because he knew he was going to take one person with him and Abu Bakr knew you know, it was going to be him. So he was ready to go. And the second of them is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verse when they were stuck inside the cave. لا تحزن إن الله معنا. So this shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was with the Prophet and with Abu Bakr. So this is an exclusive verse, you know, revealed about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. What else do we know about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu? Abu Mustafa. He, uh, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu gave all his wealth from top to the bottom for the sake of Ahsant. And when the Prophet asked him, what did you leave behind for your family? Do you remember what he said? 
he left Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So in one of the expeditions, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was collecting wealth from the people. And Umar and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, they used to compete with one another. And Umar said to himself at that time, you know what, enough is enough. Today is the day that I'm going to beat Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. So he brings half of his wealth and he's like, you know what, today is the day I'm going to win. So he presents it to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa and Prophet asks him, Ya Umar, what did you leave behind for your family? And he says, I left behind half of my wealth for my family. So he donated half of his wealth in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he kept the other half for his family. And then Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu comes and he gives, you know, what, what he has. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa asks him, Ya Abu Bakr, you know, what did you leave behind for your family? And he said, I left Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and Umar radiallahu anhu on that day, he said, I realized on that day that, you know, there was no beating Abu Bakr. There was no beating Abu Bakr. So this was also from his virtues that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he donated all of his wealth for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're missing a very obvious one, Munib. His title as Siddiq. His title as Siddiq. Tell me about it. The Prophet of they were laughing at the Prophet uh, what is he saying? He said he went, he did the Al-Qisra story and Abu Bakr said if he said this then he is truthful. Then he must be true. Ahsant. So in the story of Al-Isra Wal-Miraj, the Quraysh came to Abu Bakr anhu, and he started taunting him. They're like, don't you know what your companion has said? He's claimed that he's traveled the journey of a month in one night. And then Abu Bakr anhu, without any hesitation, he's just said, look, if he said it, then it must be true. If he said it, it must be true. And then this one's from his virtues that he had, he never had any doubt about the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he was titled as Siddiq. There's a more obvious one that we're looking for. Arwa. Uh, started with the message, he was the first one to believe from uh, the men's side. Fantastic. He was the first man to accept Islam, definitely one of his virtues. Still, I'm looking for something. Good, very, that was fantastic. So, you know, he was the only one, that, well, one of the few people that kept his composure and he basically led the Ummah in that time of crisis. But I'm still looking for something, Ridwan. The Prophet was talking about the gates of Jannah, the eight gates, and he said, well, anyone entered from all, and he said, Fantastic, that's very good as well. So Prophet asked, you know, which one of you has done the following deeds? And he said, you know, uh, who's prayed to Janazah today? Who's visited the sick? Who's done this? Who's done that? And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he kept raising his hand. And the Prophet said that whoever has done this will enter from any of the gates of paradise as he pleases. I'm still looking for something more specific. Is the first Khalifa after the Prophet Fantastic. But what, does that, what did that have to do with the Prophet Like how did we decide that this was the decision of the Prophet Sallallahu let him lead? Well, he led in his absence. He commanded him to lead. He commanded him to lead. That's what we're looking for. This is perhaps like one of the greatest virtues and you know indications that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was meant to be the Khalifa after the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That uh, Aisha radiallahu anha, she visited the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and the Prophet sallam told Aisha radiallahu anha that command Abu Bakr to lead the Salah. And Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, Ya Rasulullah, why don't you choose someone else? Because Abu Bakr, he constantly cries and you know, his prayer is very slow. And the Prophet still commanded him to lead the prayer. And this is what the companions radiallahu anhum, you know, decided, uh, used it as a deciding factor, that the Prophet wouldn't have chosen someone to lead the Salah, except that he would have been the next Khalifa, except that he would have been the next Khalifa. So as you can see, our discussion about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, many, many virtues, that no one can ever doubt the virtues of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. From the one last virtue I'll mention about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. 
The Prophet ﷺ said about Abu Bakr anhu that if you were to take the iman of the whole ummah and take the iman of Abu Bakr anhu and put it on a scale, the iman of Abu Bakr anhu would outweigh the iman of the whole ummah. Right, that was the level of iman of uh, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Now let's do the same for Umar ibn al-Khattab. What can we mention from the virtues of Umar ibn al-Khattab? I'll start you off with one, that when shaitan used to see Umar, he used to walk in the opposite direction. Right, that was from the virtues of Umar. What else? He was a very influential figure in his time, and so when he came to Islam, it became a great source of strength for Islam. A, st a source of strength and a, so a source of pride for the Muslims, definitely. So they were afraid to pray outside in public while Umar was the, uh, while Umar was a non-Muslim. When he accepted Islam, they found the strength and courage to pray with the presence of Umar. Orwa? Uh, the Prophet prayed that uh, either him or Abu Jahl Fantastic. So the Prophet made specific dua that Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu accept Islam. Go ahead. Uh, the Prophet mentioned Fantastic. The Prophet said if there was ever a Prophet after me, it would have been Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu and there is no Prophet after me. Go ahead. There were some situations where Umar, um, he had this tarasa in, in a lot of matters. Yes. He would before revelation came, he would have a certain opinion. Right. And then the revelation would confirm. And affirm that. Fantastic. This happened on multiple occasions. Multiple occasions where Umar radiallahu anhu gave his opinion and then revelation came down to affirm that opinion. Do you remember one of them in particular? One of them was the Adhan, I think. The Adhan? Allahu anhu. Is that another virtue of him seeing the dream for Adhan? He saw the dream for Adhan, but what were you alluding to? Like, how did the Adhan. Like, Hijab. Ayatul Hijab. I only remember one of them, that's what I'm asking you guys. I just remember the, the, the prisoners of Badr, that's what I remember. Right, fantastic, Sahih. Right, so praying behind the Maqam of Ibrahim, fantastic. Can we think of anything else? So in the story of Abu Bakr and Umar, we had uh, that he donated half his wealth for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What was the ayah of hijab about? I don't remember that. No, I know the ayah, but what does that have to do with Umar? Ma la laqa bil ayah bi Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. Umar, he said it before, and the ayah... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. So Umar, he told the women to wear hijab, and then the ayah came down? Right, to cover. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> You're excited, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. There's a nur when he was sleeping in his house, and the siesta time. Okay. And one of his slave servants came in without knocking the door. Okay. And he was not properly dressed. Okay. And then the ayah for this time of for the servants and children to knock. A knock on the door. Fantastic. Okay. Right. So I mean, th those are multiple cases. Those are multiple cases where Umar radiallahu anhu gave his opinion and revelation came down to affirm it. So without a shadow of a doubt, these two companions of the Prophet were the best of the companions. And there was no ikhtilaf on this issue. There was no ikhtilaf on this issue. And in fact, when you look at it in terms of virtues of them being paired together, I want to mention the hadith over here where the Prophet says, uh, Abu Bakr wa Umar Sayyidah kuhul ahl al-jannah min al-awwalin wal-akhirin illa al-nabiyyin wal-mursaleen. That Abu Bakr anhu and Umar anhu, 
And they're going to be the leaders from the people of paradise, from the first of them and from the last of them, except for the prophets and messengers, except for the prophets and messengers. And this you know, narration was narrated by many, many people. And Shaykh Al-Bani has a long discussion as to how much, how it's almost mutawatir, how this hadith is almost mutawatir, that they will be from the first people to enter Jannah after the prophets and messengers, and they were from the best of them. They were from the best of them. Now, we also have in Sahih al-Bukhari from Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah that he said, Kunna zamanan Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam la na'adilu bi Abi Bakrin ahadin thumma Amr thumma Uthman thumma natruku ashabi Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam la nufadilu baynahum. That Ibn Umar, the son of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, used to say that during the time of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we would not equate anyone with Abu Bakr nor with Umar, then with Uthman, and then as for the rest of the companions, we would leave them as is. We would leave them as is. We would not give virtue or preference uh, from one of them over the other, from one of them over the other. Now we have Muhammad ibn al Hanafiya. Who knows who Muhammad ibn al Hanafiya was? Whose son was he? Uh, uh, son of Ali. Ahsant. He was the son of Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. So he says, قال Muhammad ibn al Hanafiya, Kultu li Abi, Yani Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. أَيُّ النَّاسِ خَيْرُ بَعْدَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ فَقَالَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ قُلْتُ ثُمَّ مَنْ قَالَ أُمَرٍ قُلْتُ قَالَ أُمَرٍ قَالَ وَخَشِيتُ أَنْ يَقُولَ عُثْمَانٌ قُلْتُ ثُمَّ أَنْتَ قَالَ مَا أَنَا إِلَّا بِوَاحِدٍ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ And this also reported in Sahih al-Bukhari that Muhammad ibn Hanafiyyah, the son of Ali ibn Abi Talib you know, oh my father, who is the best of people after the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam? He says, Abu Bakr. Then I said, then who? And he said, Umar radiallahu anhu. And then he said, I feared that you would say Uthman, but is it then you? And then he said, I am no one except from, uh, you know, one of the Muslims. And this shows like the humility of Ali ibn Abi Talib. This shows the humility of Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. That even though he was the best of them after uh, Ali uh, Uthman radiallahu anhu, he just considered himself one of the regular believers. Now here's one last statement I'll share with you from Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. He says, لا يفضلني أحد على أبي بكر وعمر إلا جلدته حد المفتري. That he says, no one will give preference to me over Abu Bakr and Umar, except that I would give him the punishment of, um, of lying and, and you know, spreading uh, lies and deception. So this shows that even Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu, did not consider himself better than Abu Bakr and Umar. And this is obviously you know, a crisis with a particular sect in Islam where they you know, prefer Ali anhu, not only in terms of their of khilafah, but even in terms of preference and virtue. Not only in terms of preference and virtue, but they say very, very bad things about Abu Bakr and Umar anhu. And at the end of the halaqa, we'll actually talk about the ruling of those that made takfir of the Sahaba and those that made tafsiq of the Sahaba. Now let us get to what the author is saying uh, when he talks about Uthman radiallahu anhu. Let us find the verse where he says, وَزِيرَاهُ قِدَمًا ثُمَّ عُثْمَانَ الْأَرْجَحُ So he says that Abu Bakr and Umar are given preference without a doubt. And then the ikhtilaf between the Salaf 
took place between who is better between Ali ibn Abi Talib and Uthman ibn Affan. Ali ibn Abi Talib and Uthman ibn Affan. And this was known as the first form of Tashayyur. This was known as the first form of Shiism. And this first form of Shiism is actually a valid form of Ikhtilaf, a valid form of Ikhtilaf. Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he says that the Salaf differed over the issue of Uthman and Ali into three groups. They differed over the issue of Uthman and Ali into three groups. Group number one, they said that Uthman radiallahu anhu was better than Ali ibn Abi Talib. And this was the opinion of the majority of the Salaf. This was the opinion of the majority of the Salaf. And they held this opinion because the principle they established is that the order of the Khilafah is the order of preference. The order of the Khilafah is the order of preference. Opinion number two was Ali radiallahu anhu was better than Uthman ibn Affan. Ali radiallahu anhu was better than Uthman ibn Affan. And they use this generally from the many, many virtues that the Prophet sallallahu mentioned about Ali radiallahu anhu. And then he had the direct, you know, connection with the Prophet being first cousin and son-in-law. So they said that, the, that Ali radiallahu anhu was given preference. Third opinion on this issue was that tawakkuf, that we will remain silent on this issue. We will not talk about who was better between Ali and Uthman radiallahu anhu. We will not talk about who was better than, uh, between Uthman and Ali radiallahu anhum. So this was the third opinion. Then the author over here, go, over here he says, وَالْأَرْجَحُ that Uthman radiallahu anhu was better than Ali. And this was the opinion of the majority. This was the opinion of the majority. And you see this from the time of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, that even in the statement of Ibn Umar, he went all the way to Uthman. He says, we gave preference to Abu Bakr, to Umar, then to Uthman. And then after Uthman radiallahu anhu, we did not do tafadul bayna sahaba. We did not give preference to one sahabi over the other. We did not give preference to one sahabi over the other. So that was the original ikhtilaf. And when someone talks about at-tashayyu al-awwal, or the first form of Shiism, then this is the first form of Shiism that took place. The second form of Shiism was where they said that Ali radiallahu anhu was better, was, uh, was should have been Khalifa over Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. That is the second form of Shiism that took place. And this is, you'll see that the second and third form of Shiism, as time goes on, it just gets worse. That now, not only did it become an issue of, of Khilafah, but it became, then became an issue of virtue. And after it became an issue of virtue, then it came about discrediting and debasing, you know, Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhu. And that is like the gradual progression that happened with Shiism, where it started off as something innocent, but it led into something, uh, you know, very troubling at the very least. Led to something very troubling at the very least. Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, he has a, a statement here that I wanted to share with you. Well, Imam Ahmad, أَنَّهُ قَالَ مَنْ فَضَّلَ عَلِيًّا عَلَىٰ أَبِي بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرٍ أَوْ قَدَّمَهُ عَلَيْهِمَا فِي الْفَضِيلَةِ وَالْإِمَامَةِ دُونَ النَّسَبِ فَهُوَ رَافِضِيٌ مُبْتَدِعٌ فَاسِقٌ so Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, he says that whoever gives preference to Ali ibn Abi Talib over Abu Bakr and Umar or gave preference to him over both of them in terms of virtue, in terms of you know, who should have been the Khalifa without talking about lineage, then he is someone who is a Rafadi, who is an innovator and is a Fasiq, meaning a transgressor, meaning that he is a transgressor. So over here you'll notice that Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, he did not call this an act of disbelief. The act of disbelief only came when they started discrediting and you know, saying that Abu Bakr was a fasik and Umar was a fasik and you know, they fell into disbelief. You know. uh, they are above and beyond such claims, above and beyond such claims. Wallahu ta'ala alam.
Then he goes on to say that the fourth of them was the best of creation after them. The fourth of them was the best of creation after them. And that is referring to Ali radiallahu anhu. Now that, like we did for Abu Bakr and Umar, let's talk about the virtues of Uthman and Ali. Who can give me some of the virtues of Uthman? Go ahead. And honestly, what a virtue that is, man. SubhanAllah. That the Prophet didn't marry him off once. Didn't marry him off twice, subhanAllah. But had, if he, uh, there's a narration, Allahu Alam, to his authenticity, that if there was a third daughter available, he would have given him as well. Like, what a virtue to marry the, the daughters of the Prophet. Were you going to say the same thing? <laughs> okay, Khair. Arwa. Uh, Fantastic. So, the, that uh, Uthman, radiallahu anhu, he prepared the army as well. Anything else from Uthman? Go ahead. What? That happened multiple times, multiple times. And you know, this is one of the virtues we forgot about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. But Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he spent so much of his wealth freeing the first prisoners of Islam, right? From Bilal ibn uh, Abi Rabah to Abu Faqih to, you know, several other companions that were imprisoned, he freed them. Uthman radiallahu anhu, multiple times when the ummah was in distress, he, you know, spent his money in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help the Muslims out in terms of distress. What other virtues do we have? There's one that I, I can think of. Go ahead. Fantastic. That's what I was thinking of. That the Prophet ﷺ, he said, That should I not be shy of an individual whom the angels are even shy of? Munib. Prophet ﷺ, uh, in the time of uh, Hudaybiyah, when the rumor came that Uthman was killed, in his own hand, fantastic. So that was from the virtues of Uthman that the Prophet gave, like he held Uthman anhu in such high esteem that he gave bay'ah on his behalf with his own hand. He gave bay'ah in his hand on his own behalf. Do you have another one? Yeah. Uh, that he, per that he um, was the first one, I think, the Khilaf Umar to expand Masjid Nabi as well. Correct? Yeah, that is true, but. Well, it is a big thing historically, but is it a virtue? Because it happened after the time of the Prophet Sallallahu and the first one, <laughs> the first one to expand. <laughs> ta'ala ala. But it reminded me of something else. It reminded me of something else. Inshallah, it will come back to me. Khair. Now, how about Ali ibn Abi Talib? What do we find from him? I know. <coughs> Fantastic. So that was the second one that I was thinking of. That the Prophet made an announcement in one of the announcements that tomorrow I'll give the, the, the flag. You know, the, the flag the flag bearer will be someone whom Allah loves and his messenger loves and he loves them and he loves them. And the next day the Prophet gave it to Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. The first young child to accept Islam was Ali ibn Abi Talib. Fantastic. He married the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ. He was the only one to give grandchildren to the Prophet ﷺ from the, the lineage of Fatima radiallahu anha. What else do we know about Ali? Fantastic. So the amazing amount of courage that Ali radiallahu anhu showed that when the Prophet ﷺ was leaving for Medina, Ali radiallahu anhu was chosen to be, you know, the, I mean, I don't know what the proper word for it is, but all, like to, to, to be in the place of the Prophet ﷺ. So when the Quraysh came to attack, they found Ali radiallahu anhu as opposed to the Messenger of Allah What's the word for that? Sorry? Wakil? That's in Arabic, I need it in English. I'm thinking of scapegoat, but I'm looking for a name. Decoy. Decoy? Maybe decoy? I don't know. It doesn't have a positive meaning. Decoy? Yeah, it's not. 
Allahu alam. I don't know. There has, there's a word, it's just not coming to me. If anyone thinks of it, let me know. So those are the virtues. Can you think of anything else for Ali radiallahu anhu? Sorry? Surrogate? No. <laughs> I don't think that's correct here. <laughs> but I can see where you're coming from though. I can see where you're coming from. Tayyib khair. Any other virtues of Ali radiallahu anhu? Okay. Okay. Like why with the women, and then he decided to join up with the army, and then the Prophet was telling him, "No, you should stay." You were to me like how Musa was to how Harun was to Musa. Yeah, yeah, okay, Allahu Alam. I don't know. I don't know about that, but that's very possible. That's very possible. Allahu Alam. Khair. Let's move on. So that was uh, with Ali radiAllahu anhu. He was the fourth best of them. Now he goes, وَإِنَّهُمْ لِرَحْتِ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِمْ So الرَّحْتِ in the Arabic language is a group of people between three and ten people. So three and ten people we refer to in the Arabic language as رَحْت. And the رَحْت over here that he's speaking to are the other six companions that were promised paradise. Are the other six companions that were promised paradise. So now in terms of the companions promised paradise, there were more than just these 10 companions that were promised paradise, right? But these 10 in one particular narration, they were brought together. These 10 in one particular narration, they were brought together. And that is why they're known as Al-Ashra Al-Mubashara Bil-Jannah. That they are the 10 companions who were promised paradise to the Prophet because they came together in one narration. They came together in one narration. Now let's go through them. Let's go through them. Um, Okay, then we'll come back to this. Sorry? Yeah. It can be both. It can be both. Right. Um, so the first of them is Saeed. Right? Who can tell me who Saeed is? Who is Saeed over here? Saeed ibn Zubair? Zubair? No, he's from the Tabi'een. Saeed ibn Zayd? And how is he related? To the Prophet Sallam, do you know? Was it to him or Allah, uh, sorry, to Umar ibn al-Khattab I forgot the cousin maybe? Cousin, yes. He was the cousin of, the, of Umar ibn al-Khattab So Sa'id ibn, uh, ibn Zayd, he was the cousin of Umar ibn al-Khattab and he was the first person mentioned uh, in this poem. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, uh, his father's name was Malik. So his real name is Sa'ad ibn Malik, more commonly known as Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. He was the general for a Muslim army for a very long time. The number three was Abdurrahman ibn Awf. And he was known for his generosity uh, and many other virtues as well. Talha, he is Talha bin Ubaidillah. And then he goes on to Amir uh, Fahr. So Amir is Abu Ubaidah al-Amr ibn Jarrah. And the Prophet said that you know, every um, nation has a trustworthy one. The trustworthy one of our nation is Abu Ubaidah al-Amr ibn Jarrah. He is referred to as Fahr over here because the tribe that he came from was Bani Fahr. The tribe that he came from was Bani Fahr. And then he says, was uh, Zubair al-Mumaddahu. He is a Zubair ibn Awam, the, the praiseworthy. Zubair ibn Awam, the praiseworthy. And the virtues of Zubair are, are even many. But you know, one of the, the virtues that I, I constantly remember is that when Zubair ibn Awam you know, used to go into battle, he wasn't like the other companions. Where other companions, they'd be on their horse, they'd have one you know, hand on their sword and the other one, they're riding their beast with. Zubair, he has like two swords and he's like, you know, riding on his beast without holding on to it. And that he would go into the battlefield and then he would come back out in the exact same way, you know, having annihilated anyone that, that, that came in his path. And that was Zubair ibn Awam. 
Now those are the six other companions after the four Khulafa that were promised paradise. And we mentioned that these six companions were from the best of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after the four Khulafa, after the four Khulafa based upon this hadith. Now what if someone was to say, how about the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? What do we say to that? The issue over here is, we are saying that these 10 are the best of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. How about the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? I mean Aisha Radiallahu Anha definitely has a high level, but we're saying how do we distinguish between these being the best companions and you know the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam also being companions and being very virtuous as well. That, that, that is one way of looking at it. That is one way of looking at it, but we're looking for something more specific. Fantastic. So we actually, while they are linguistically sahabiyat, they're more higher than that. They're ummahat al-mu'minin. They're ummahat al-mu'minin. There was an interesting discussion um, about who will have a higher rank in paradise. Will it be Aisha radiallahu anha or Abu Bakr radiallahu anha? <laughs> and the discussion was about Aisha radiallahu anha being the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you know, the wives are going to be with their husbands and the Prophet has the highest level in paradise. Versus Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he is the best of, of this nation and the best of the people after the uh, Prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in this situation, who will have a higher rank between Aisha radiallahu anha and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu? Does anyone remember this discussion? Who, who, who taught fiqh of love here? Was it Sheikh Walid or Sheikh Said? Said, okay. Sheikh Walid discusses this in, in, in Fiqh of Love. But it's a very interesting discussion to, to look up. It's a very interesting discussion to look up. And I'll leave you guys in suspense to find out the response to that. Tayyib. Then after he mentions all of the, those companions, he says, That he says, And speak with all the companions عنهم, in goodness. So this is a command of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, that when you speak about the companions of the Prophet وسلم, you're not allowed to say except that which is good. You're not allowed to say except that which is good. Now why is this a general principle in Islam? Why is this a general principle in Islam? Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he says, that to criticize a carrier of this religion is to criticize the religion itself, is to criticize the religion itself. So to open up the door for criticism on the carriers of this faith is to open up door, the doors of criticism for the faith itself. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ, he clearly says that do not curse any one of my companions. For if you were to even give the size of Mount Uhud and gold in Sadaqah, you wouldn't even reach you know, the smallest level of comparison with them. You wouldn't even reach the smallest level of comparison with them. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said that when my companions are mentioned, then refrain from saying anything bad. Then refrain from saying anything bad. Now as we know, after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, there were some trials and tribulations that took place between the Ummah. There were certain groups that were fractioned in the Ummah and certain groups fought one another. Ibn Taymiyyah established a very important principle that we need to abide by. He says that was a fitna through which our swords were saved, so that our tongues need to be safe from it as well. Says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected our swords from being interacted and engaging in it, then our tongues need to be saved from that fitna as well. So meaning that fitna that took place between the companions, it is upon us to accept that fitna as it was and to remain silent about it and not to criticize any one of the companions at that time. Now I want to speak about two particular uh, companions that come under heavy criticism. 
One of them is Ma'awiyah radiallahu anhu, and the other one is Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. Ma'awiyah radiallahu anhu, he comes under heavy criticism for a wide variety of reasons. But it is sufficient as a praise for Ma'awiyah radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam chose him as a scribe for the Quran. It is sufficient as a praise for Ma'awiyah anhu that the Prophet ﷺ chose him as a scribe. That when Quran would be revealed, one of the individuals that would write down the Quran was Ma'awiyah anhu. And then Abu Hurairah anhu, there's criticism towards Abu Hurairah anhu for completely different reasons. And this criticism started off within the Muslim faith itself where they said that Abu Hurairah anhu, he wasn't a faqih from amongst the Sahaba, so he shouldn't have narrated that many narrations. Then it transcended to going into the Orientalists themselves, that the far-fetched Orientalists, they even said that Abu Hurairah anhu is a fictional character. That Abu Hurairah anhu, he wasn't a real human being. Rather, he was a figment of the imagination of the Muslims who wanted to use hadith. So they created Abu Hurairah anhu to narrate the vast majority of hadith. They created a Abu Hurairah to narrate the vast majority of hadith. Now, this criticism is in fact one of the biggest virtues of Abu Hurairah That Abu Hurairah anhu in Sahih Bukhari, he says, while the Muhajirun were busy with their businesses and the Ansar were busy with their farming, I dedicated my life to spending time with the Messenger of Allah and learning this deen. So I followed the Messenger of Allah wherever he went. I followed him in his home. I learned from him as much as I could. And that is how uh, Abu Hurairah narrated so many hadith from the Messenger of Allah On top of that, that Abu Hurairah the Prophet made specific dua for him that Allah bless his memory and that Allah guide his mother to Islam as well. Right? So these are from the virtues of Abu Hurairah anhu. So the general ruling when it comes to speaking about the companions of the Prophet wasallam, one is to remain silent and not mention them except for good. Because if you open up the door of criticism, then you open up the door of criticism of the deen itself. You open up the door of criticism for the deen itself. Then in the very last verse, he goes on to say, Clear revelation has spoken about the companions radiallahu anhum. Clear revelations has spoken about the companions radiallahu anhum, particularly Suratul Fat. Particularly Suratul Fat. Now the virtues of the companions radiallahu anhum, they're mentioned in many, many surahs. In many, many surahs. The first of them is in Suratul Tawbah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he tells us, As-Sabiqun al-Awwalun min al-Muhajirina wal-Ansar, wal-Ladheena tabauhum bi ihsanin radiallahu anhum, waradu'an. That here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us that from the first and foremost of them, from the Muhajirun and the Ansar, and those that followed them in righteousness, Allah is pleased with them, and they are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a group that is pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can never say anything bad about, right? Then you'll find in Surah Al-Fat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in multiple places spoke about the companions radiallahu anhum. And likewise in Surah Al-Hashar, right? In Surah Al-Hashar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He actually commands the believers to make dua for the companions. To make dua for the companions. That uh, where the believers they will say, "Rabbana ghfirlana wa li ikhwanina aladina sabakuna bil iman, wa la tajal fi kulubina gilla liladina amanu." That O oh Allah, forgive us and our brothers, those who have preceded us in faith, and do not create any animosity or dissent towards them, and do not create any animosity or hatred towards them. So this is a commandment from Allah subhanahu wa taala to make dua for the companions, to make dua for the companions. So that's in Surah Al-Hashr. Then also you have in which other surah? وَيُعْفِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ خَصَاصَةً Muneeb, what surah is that? Hashar, is that Hashar? That's Hashar as well? 
fed and I'm thinking of something else. Afwan, what were you saying? Who was saying? What were you saying? Okay, but again, that's very general. Radiallahu anhu wa radu'an, too general. That's in Surah Al-Fat. That's in Surah Al-Fat. Right, so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, He says that if the people were to believe just like the companions believe, then they would be guided. Fantastic. So those are, you know, some of the places where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, you know, mentions the companions radiallahu anhum in goodness. Now let's conclude our discussion by talking about the ruling of um, criticizing the companions and attributing fisk or kufr to them, or attributing fisk or kufr to them. And I want to share something with you. Um, so first is a statement of Ibn Mas'ud, and then is a statement of Abu Zura. So the statement of uh, Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he says, مَنْ كَانَ مُتَأَسِّيًا فَلْيَتَأَسِّي بِأَصْحَابِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم فَإِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا أَبَرَّ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ قُلُوبًا وَأَعْمَقُهَا إِلْمًا وَأَقَلُّهَا تَكَلُّفًا وَأَقَوَّمُهَا هَدِيًا وَأَحْسَنُهَا حَالًا أَخْتَارَهُمُ اللَّهُ لِصُحْبَةِ النَّبِيهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم وإقامة دينه فَاعْرِفُوا لَهُمْ فَضْلَهُمْ وَاتَّبِعُوهُمْ فِي آثَارِهِمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا عَلَى هَدِيَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ so Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he says that whoever is to choose an example, then let him choose the example of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. For indeed they were the most righteous of this ummah in terms of their hearts. They were the deepest of them in terms of their knowledge. They were uh, the least of them in terms of how burdensome they were. They were the most of them in terms of how guided they were. They were the best of them in, this, in terms of the, the state that they were in. They are the ones that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to accompany the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the ones to establish the deen, this deen and this faith. So recognize in them the virtue that they have and follow them in their guidance. For indeed they were upon the straight path. For indeed they were on the straight path. So Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, look at the description that he is giving them. You know, you know praise upon praise about who they actually were. But the, what we want to draw as a shahid or the operative word from this is that whoever is to take an example, let him take the example of the Sahaba. Let him take the example of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And then he goes on to say that he was the most righteous of them, the most knowledgeable of them, and so on and so forth. Now look at what Abu Zur'ah uh, al-Razi, one of the great scholars of hadith, he says, إِذَا رَأَيْتُ مَا الرَّجُلَ يَنْقُسُ أَحَدًا مِنْ أَصْحَابِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ فَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّهُ زِنْدِيقٌ لِأَنَّ الدِّينَ حَقٌ وَالْقُرْآنُ حَقٌ وَإِنَّمَا نَقَلَ لَنَا ذَلِكَ الصَّحَابَةُ uh, فَهَوْلَاءِ أَرَادُوا الْجَرْحِ شُهُودِنَا لِيُبْطِلُوا الْكِتَابَ وَالسُنَّةَ وَهُمْ you know, belittling anyone from the companions of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, know that this individual is a heretic, he is a zindiq. For indeed this religion is the truth, the Qur'an is the truth, and it was only carried by the companions. It was only carried by the companions. These people that criticize the companions, they want to uh, disparage our witnesses. They want to disparage our witnesses and nullify the station of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And these people are more deserving of being disparaged and they are transgressors and heretics. They are transgressors and heretics. So that was one of the great Imams of you know, Hadith. Now we have the example of Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah where he talks about in Khalq al Ibad. Khalq al Ibad is in a book in Aqidah that Imam al-Bukhari authored. And in this he has a narration that he says from himself 
that I am not bothered if I pray behind a Qadari or a Rafidi or a Yahudi or a Nasrani. What does this statement actually mean? That, you know, it does not bother me if I pray behind a Qadari or a, Nasra or a Rafidi or a Yahudi or a Nasrani. So what he's saying over here, the people of Qadar, the first group that denied Qadar, they denied the, for the uh, future knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only had knowledge of the present and of the past, and he had no future knowledge. So this is what he's talking about when he's talking about the Qadariyyah. The Rafidah that he's referring to are those people that made takfir of the Sahaba, except you know, for a hand few of them, that they said that all the Sahabas of the Prophet were kuffar with the exception of like 7, 8, 11, 12. You know, there's like ikhtilaf amongst them and themselves. And this is like you're really you know, shocking to see that for every Prophet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala surrounded him with the best of people. But when it came to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, Allah supposedly chose the worst of his creation, that these were the, the hypocrites you know, from the Ummah that Allah chose to be his companions. Right? Then he goes on to say, or a Nasrani or a Yahudi, whether he is a Christian or a Jew. So basically he's saying that, basically the ruling behind praying any one of these people is exactly the same, which is that your salah would not be valid. Your salah would not be valid. So this is indirectly, you know, takfir of them. And Imam Malik rahimahullah, he also made takfir of anyone that made takfir of the Sahaba. He made takfir of, sorry, of anyone that criticized the Sahaba as a whole, criticized the Sahaba as a whole. So now let's take it in terms of categories. What are we agreed upon? We are agreed upon that anyone that, you know, makes takfir of the overwhelming majority of the Sahaba, then this is an act of kufr. Then this is an act of kufr, right? And there's consensus on this. No one has differed on this issue. That anyone that made takfir of the majority of the Sahaba or all of the Sahaba, then this is an act of kufr with of itself. No difference of opinion on this as well. Number two, how about they did not make takfir of the Sahaba, but they said that this is fisk. They said that this is fisk. Meaning that they were, you know, transgressors, that they, they transgressed the boundaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then this is also a, a matter of consensus that these people are transgressors, that they, these people themselves are fusak. These people themselves are fusak, right? Now, there is like a disclaimer over here that when the term fisk is used over here, in terms of returning to, to the people that criticize the Sahaba, is this a level of fisk that is outside the fold of Islam or inside the fold of Islam? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, but this is something that you know, is very, very sensitive. That some of the, the, uh, the predecessors, they actually did consider anyone that generally said that the Sahaba were fusak to be outside the fold of Islam as well. So while they said the general ruling is that they are fusak, but it could imply that they're also disbelievers outside the fold of Islam as well. It could also imply that they're disbelievers outside the fold of Islam as well. Now, how about if someone makes takfir of just Abu Bakr and Umar and spares the rest of the companions? The virtues of Abu Bakr and Umar are so well known that they cannot be denied. That they're denying basically virtues of the Quran, uh, direct verses and hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And this within of itself is an act of disbelief as well. So just criticizing Abu Bakr and Umar is an act of disbelief as well. And this is something that they, there is difference of upon. But like we said that the virtues of them are so many and so renowned that it is impossible to be ignorant of them. It is impossible to be ignorant of them. So that would be an act of disbelief as well. Well, does this apply to the rest of the companions as well? No. Therefore, the rest of the companions, the scholars of the past, were a lot more easy when discussing the issue of, you know, individual takfir of the Sahaba or individual fisk of the Sahaba. Okay? 
So the fourth and last thing that we will talk about is how about individual fisk of a Sahabi. Individual fisk of a Sahabi, then this is another matter of you know, pretty much agreement that they did not make takfir, but rather they said that this person is sinful for doing that. This person is sinful for doing that. Now let us conclude with what is the obligation of a believer towards his belief in the Sahaba. What is the obligation towards the believer in terms of his belief of the Sahaba? Number one, is that he considers all of the Sahaba trustworthy. All of the Sahaba were trustworthy. Particularly, you'll notice that there's, the people will bring you know, certain Sahabis that weren't trustworthy. We mentioned Abu uh, Ma'awiyah, we mentioned Abu Hurairah. From them was also Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, because he had like a small incident or an altercation with some other Sahaba. All of the companions of the Prophet were trustworthy. You cannot doubt any of their trustworthiness. Number two, is that from our Iman is to love the Sahaba. From our Iman is to love the Sahaba. So when you love someone, you hold them in the highest regard. You hold them in the highest regard. Number three, from our Iman and the Sahaba is to only speak good about them. From our Iman and the Sahaba is only to speak good about them. Now one needs to understand that yes, you can teach the history of the you know, altercations and the disputes that happened amongst them without personal bias, without taking sides, without criticism. Right? That is the way the history should be taught. You should only be speaking good about them. Number four, is that anything that the Sahaba agreed upon, you know, uh, inclusively, then this should be followed. This should be followed. This is a form of deen. It's, a, it's considered ijma that cannot be ignored. And then number five, is that even their individual opinions are given preference over our own individual opinions. Their individual opinions are given preference over our own individual opinions. And these are like five of the main principles in terms of the Iman and the Sahaba. These are the five, uh, some of the five, you know, so five of the major principles in terms of the Iman, uh, of our Iman in the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Now what I want to conclude with is the verse that we uh, skipped over, where he says, That they are the ones upon the great camels of Al-Firdaus, shining brightly and roaming about. So Najab, in uh, the Arabic language is considered something that is the most precious and prize-worthy. You know, Najib isn't here, we mentioned this about him. But Najib, that's what it comes from, that you know, most precious and most prize-worthy. And one of the companions, he asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, O Messenger of Allah, you know, will we have horses and camels in paradise? And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said that you will have poor horses in paradise whose saddles will be made out of red diamonds. They'll go as fast as the eye can see. They will take you wherever you want, whenever you want. And he gives them a large description. And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that these are like some of the most pride possessions of Jannah. These are most, some of the most pride possessions of Jannah. And now the author over here, he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guaranteed this for the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He's guaranteed this for the Prophet sallallahu for the companions of the Prophet in al-Firdaus. Meaning that the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa inshaAllah will be in al-Firdaus al-A'la. And al-Firdaus, not only is it the highest point of Jannah, but it is the middle point of Jannah through which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, all the rivers of paradise will be initiated there. All the rivers of paradise will be initiated there. Wa alaykum as-salamu so this is the station that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has preserved for them. And you know, as a general principle that if you want to achieve that level of paradise, then you need to follow the example of those people that have already achieved it. You need to follow the example of those people that have already achieved it. So that is why the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, radiallahu anhum have this great station in terms of 
you know, not only were they companions of the Prophet ﷺ, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose them as leaders and examples for us. That if we want to reach the highest levels of paradise, then these are the people that we follow. And that is why Ibn Mas'ud anhu, he said that whoever takes an example, let him take an example of the Sahaba. For they are the ones that are most worthy of being followed. So I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to follow their example, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us the same conclusion that they have as well in Al-Firdaus Al-A'la with the Prophet wasallam. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us for any shortcomings that we may have. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with their character and their knowledge and their iman and their taqwa. Allahumma ameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. I'll open up the floor for questions inshallah. Danish, go ahead. When you quoted Ibn Taymiyyah, you said that he said that the swords were saved yes. from each other. What does that mean exactly? He said this is a fitna that our swords were saved from. Meaning that Ibn Taymiyyah and you know, anyone that came after the time of the Sahaba, they didn't partake in these battles, right? Oh, so since they didn't partake in these battles, then it is also something that our tongues need to be safe from as well. It's something our tongues need to be safe from as well. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I think the the the, the discrepancy over here is just because someone is being punished does not mean they're not going to be going to paradise, right? So when when Sa'ad bin Mu'adh passed away. You know, uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that he's no, was it Sa'd bin Mu'adh? Yeah. He'll have the lowest form of punishment, right, in the grave? Was that the one? Uh, yeah, the squeezing. It was Sa'd bin Mu'adh, yes. So, you know, the Prophet ﷺ said about Sa'd bin Mu'adh that if anyone was to have the least amount of punishment in the grave, which is the squeezing, it would have been Sa'd bin Mu'adh. So this shows us that to get to paradise is the purest of places, right? And to get to that level of purity, you're going to have to go through a purification process. So that starts off with the trials in this dunya, to the trials of the grave, to the punishment in the grave, to the punishment in the hereafter. And obviously the companions are of different levels, right? Not all companions are of the same level. So some of the companions, you know, when you find that some of them had committed zina, like the mazin, some like the ghamidiyah, these companions had committed zina. Now, just because they were purified in this dunya and in their graves, it doesn't mean they're not going to enter into paradise in the hereafter. The fact that they witnessed and accepted iman with the Prophet and they died upon iman uh, after it makes them a sahabi. And that within of itself, inshallah, is enough to enter them into paradise. Wallahu ta'ala. Go ahead. Murad, are you, you want to make the adhan? Just give me five minutes to make the adhan, inshallah. Seven minutes? Jazakallah khair. Go ahead. Yes. The best of them would be Khadija because of the hadith of the four women of the best. All right. So I was actually just reading about that before before I came to the halaqa. So in the other version of the of the poem, he mentions the Ummahatul Mu'minin and talks about the ikhtilaf between who's better between Aisha radiallahu anha and Khadija radiallahu anha. And he mentions three groups. 
Group number one said Khadija radiallahu anha was better. Group number two said Aisha radiallahu anha was better. Group number three said they were both amazing in their own individual ways. And that was the opinion of Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. That you cannot make tafadl be, be, between the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen. Because Khadija radiallahu anha, she supported the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa at the beginning of Islam. Um, can a brother grab the, the questions from the sisters? Yeah, um, that Aisha, that Khadija radiallahu anha supported the Prophet sallallahu at the beginning of Islam and Aisha radiallahu anha, she did a huge khidmah in terms of the preservation of the deen. So they both of them had their virtues and to give precedence or to give preference of one over the other is something that shouldn't be done. This was the opinion of Ibn Taymiyyah. I don't have the like, detailed knowledge on this discussion to come up with an opinion. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. General question now. Yes. Prophet said uh, many men reached the level of Ihsan, right. only four women did yes. in humanity will and right. have done. So this means these four women are the best of the women ever. Correct? Is that what it means? And not Ihsan, Akmaluha, like they're in terms of com completion. What does that completion mean? Allah knows best. But he also has the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha that Aisha compared to the rest of women is like Thareed compared to the rest of the food. And Thareed was the best of food, right? So I mean, the, like this is an issue. In terms of its dispute, there's very little thamara. They're all from the Ummahat al Mu'mineen. Their rank in Jannah is much higher than ours. Let's pray that you know we can get somewhere close, inshallah. Wallahu alam. Was there another question on the floor? Go ahead. Uh, if you compare like Musa alayhi salam, he asked Allah to, to help his brother, okay. Yes. And uh, for Rasulullah, he made dua to, to Allah bring one of the Ummah. Right. For sure, definitely, definitely, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely uh, an analogy there. It goes, Assalamu alaikum. Who gets in Jannah first? The Ummahat al Mu'mineen or Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu? Um, number two, why were the angels shy of Uthman? In terms of question number one, um, Allah knows best who's going to get into Jannah first. Allah knows best. Number two, why were the angels shy of Uthman? The angels were shy of Uthman radiallahu anhu due to his own high level of modesty, right? That the Uthman radiallahu anhu, he was known to, you know, be extra cautious in terms of covering himself at all times, being sure he never got exposed. Number two, in terms of the way he conducted himself, very soft-spoken, very easygoing, had the, the, you know, the great qualities of shyness and modesty. And he was so shy and modest that even the angels were shy of him. And that is what the Prophet mentioned in terms of some of his virtues. Wallahu ta'ala adam. Khair will conclude with that. And insha'Allah, you know, may Allah grant us tawfiq to finish this poem. اللهم آمين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته